Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name... Oh, <laughs> What? What now? <laughs> I screwed up saying my name. Yeah, it's been a week. And it's only Monday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name's Ellie Nunn, and he, you know what? He doesn't even want to walk into a room with me because when he walks into a room with me, nobody's looking at him. Everybody's looking at me. It's my co-host, James Evans. Let me at him. Let me at him. Why I I think if you and I were ever to encounter someone going for you, I feel like I would have a very Joe Benaggi. What's his surname? Joe Bing- Benigno. There's a G in there. Benigno? I don't know if you pronounce it. <laughs> Benigno. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> yeah, the very same. Uh, I think I would have his kind of energy of like, what you, what you, what you talking about, friend? That we are. Oh, well, I had a very similar experience to Joe B once when I was in a gay club. Uh, sorry, I really hesitate. Jeez, what on earth were you doing there? <laughs> Happy Pride, everyone. Goodness me. <laughs> Back when I was just but a wee twink and I was, I was in a gay club and apparently there was some to do. I don't know what happened, but someone next to me thought that I was getting in their space and they didn't like it. Wow. So there was a bit of argy-bargy and then suddenly my friends... <laughs> My two gal pals both like put a hand on each breast of mine as if to like do the same thing that Joe Gorga was doing. Like easy, easy. So then I felt like Joe B. I had to sort of like follow their lead and like act as if I was going to like fight and be like, let me out. Like, hold me back, hold me back. And then I had the fist jumper in the air and I was like, how's a punch in the kisser? <laughs> Why, I want to give you a knuckle sandwich. Needless to say... Nothing happened. Nothing whatsoever of any interest happened. No, we just left and got a slice of pizza and went to bed. Mainly because you used the word argy-bargy. Yeah, fisticuffs all around. Fisticuffs at dawn. Mm. Mm. As is often to happen at the gay club. They're rabid. <laughs> anyway, how are you? Congratulations on your performance. <laughs> James, that was so organic. That was so... What performance? What are you talking about? So we just logged on to Zoom. We just had our usual, like, hey, how's your week been? And I was like, oh, how was the performance that you did? And Ellie was like, actually, I'm not going to answer. We need to press record now, and you're going to have to ask me again. So how was the performance? Which the... James just did with perfect, perfect naturalism. I did. And, I see, that's seamless. why you get all the big business. That's why. <laughs> um, so over here, we have a thing called West End live mm. and west end live is actually such an impressive operation it is incredible i don't think i've ever really appreciated it that over this one weekend in june we in june in june june june, june. <laughs> yeah get sort of taking uh taken over by the musical theater community god help us all exactly and they put together this concert but it only has like one day of sound check or something and then it's it's just, it's very impressive and it's all back to back and every slot is like four minutes long or whatever. So the the way that they get everyone in and out and it's performed to thousands of people and you're just sort of thrown on with no sense of whether your mic will work or you'll be able to hear your track or anything. It's very kickball at scramble, but in a great way. And the show I was doing was performing a number and James, only I could be stood there trying to like bolster the sets of children that mm. were performing to try and get them excited and I was trying to calm them down and we'd all been put in these pale blue t-shirts mm-hmm. that was it that was our whole costume was pale blue t-shirt and jeans and I was so busy getting the kids psyched and then one of my castmates 
was like, oh, Ellie, it's <laughs> what's quite important about this is that it's filmed, like quite I close up. I feel like I know where this is going to go. <laughs> and it's filmed and projected onto like massive screens. Mm-hmm. So even though it's performed to thousands of people, like you're on camera. And my friend was like, Ellie, you've got something in your teeth. <laughs> so I started like frantically trying this, like, no, not a mirror to be seen. Right. And I was like frantically trying to get this thing out of my teeth. And then they said, look, just open a bottle of water, just like swill some water around your mouth. So I grabbed this bottle of water and proceeded to pour the entire thing I, down my front. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a one, two punch. Yeah. <laughs> Causing like this huge dark blue stain across my t-shirt. And I'm also like center behind the kids. The show. So like, I know my chest is going to be on that camera. Right. And so I then had to just like whip my t-shirt off and turn it around. It was suddenly just like, screw the fact the kids are right there. And we have all of these rules in place. Just supposed to be like safeguarding. <laughs> I was just like there in my bra, like frantically turning my t-shirt around. It was either that or a bikini that said bride squad on it. So your options were limited. <laughs> As we've discussed, it was like I'm gonna have to walk off the stage without turning around, just grab walk. Oh my god! So that's how the performance went. But it all came together beautifully, I'm sure. Haven't seen it. It did, and the oh, I assumed you'd watched it. I thought that's why you were asking. No, I just know of it. I saw clips. Sort of you and my whole career there. Yeah, (laughs) in passing, I have a vague general understanding of of what what it is that you do. Yeah. I'm a supporter in the very least committal way. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Shout out to my older brother, who's a supporter in what some would say the most committal way, which is my older brother has started listening to the podcast and he's never seen Real Housewives. Oh, shit. I'm amazing, but why? Love. James, love. Does he have any notes? No, I wrote to him saying, you must have no idea what's going on. He's like, none whatsoever. Right. so, Multiple eps. So you just dived to. in randomly. Did you listen from the beginning? Season one, episode one? No, it wasn't that kind of commitment. I don't right. think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been more sporadic. Right. Anyway, so huge love to Josh, who Thank I you, imagine Josh. is has been eagerly anticipating this, mm-hmm. um, this episode, as you all are. Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, the big question <laughs> I have, how's Ekin Sue doing? <laughs> Oh, James. Oh, is there James, more? Oh! James, Of course there's more. <laughs> oh She's so the giddy. gift that doesn't stop giving. Oh, here I we go. I think we should potentially just scrap the Real Housewives podcast and make a podcast about Ekinsu. <laughs> In typical Ekinsu fashion, she's really overtaken the podcast. That's how dominating a personality she seems to have. Honestly, I think she could take over the world with the level that she gives and that she brings. She's actually got quite a Housewives energy in that sense that what's the phrase you always use? A real shot in the arm. She's like, <laughs> she's exactly what the show needed, mm. even if she's insufferable. So where did we leave with Ekinsu? Was she crawling around on the terrace? Yes, with, with um, not David. I can't believe with, that was only a week ago um, with Jay. Oh, God. Oh, I'm rubbing my palms together. I'm so excited. Right, so where are we at? <laughs> she, yeah, just to be clear that you weren't doing something. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no sorry, yes, 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 thank you for clarifying. Oh, my God. We're not there yet with Ekinsu. <laughs> I wouldn't Give it another week, week James, yeah, I wouldn't sure. be surprised. She's quite the charmer. <laughs> She'll turn you. Mm. So she was crawling around on the terrace with Jay, and I think where I left off with you is when Davide had found out, and he was being like, you're a liar. Yes, And yes. he kept saying, my dear Ekinsu, you're a yeah. liar. So she was like, I'm not going to apologise. There was a bit where one of the girls <laughs> said, uh, the next morning was like, is there... um." Is there anything that you would do or say differently about last night? And Ekansu was like, um, I tell you what, the only thing is that um, I'd apologise for for last night, and that's nothing. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> we were all like, Very we good. could all, if I could bottle Ekansu's confidence in herself Completely. and her, like, how she backs herself. Yep. Mm. So she was there. I mean, she was dropping the L word. She was like, I don't know. I think Jay and I might be falling in love. Oh. She was giddy. And that meant she got to pick him for the next recoupling. Why? Why? Now, because I she believe. Because that's how the show works. Oh, can't they all just no, say No, because that there then? was. No, 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 no. Because there was a recoupling. James, there's not time for you ah, to okay. explain yep, love by right. team. Yep. So I predicted on the podcast last week, I said, I don't think it's going to last with Jay because no one wants to be with the person that everyone's a bit sick of. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what happened pretty much by the next night jay was a bit over ekinsu <sighs> despite all that drama and then a new guy came in mm. called charlie who's just awful and just 
everyone's been saying every season of Love Island at this point they introduce a posh kind of Tory wanker right. and they never do well and he's yeah. just exactly that so on the show you know they famously always go like I got a text yeah. when it's him he's like I've got a text <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it oh, just hits different right anyway he came in and Eckerd Sue's eyes just like lit up and then there was this amazing bit where basically Jay said I can see that, oh god James it was so great he want, he said I really want to get to know Paige who's this other girl mm-hmm. and I can see was like um, yeah okay cool yeah that's fine yeah 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 you, you do you whatever and Jay who's Scottish by the way like he just couldn't but like, he was like oh amazing and stuff and he like went off and everyone was being like how did it go with I can see? and he was like just so great like she's just I can't fault her she's such a good whatever and he was like that. I just can't believe how good how well she took that or whatever and I can see like walked into the house paced back and forth a bit and was like (laughs) whatever and then walked straight back out and was like Jay can I talk to you and he came over and and pulled him for a chat and was just like I've just realised what you've done and you look like a fucking mug or whatever and she was like because you've made your and she basically just like laid into him and it was so funny oh my it god. was just like the best 180 so then she went on a date with Charlie the posh guy right. and she had this amazing bit where she came out of that date and she was like you know I'm not going to go for looks anymore because that's not been working out for me or whatever okay. which A like ouch to Charlie but also I love that she said it like it was a choice rather than because she doesn't have anyone to come up with right so just to wrap it up with i can see highlights of the week include her having one chat with charlie and when he walked away her being like finally someone who understands me <laughs> which really <laughs> i feel like she's like all of us every time that we're in a new, any new relationship and you're just like this time it's different oh, what a finally, deep well someone who gets me yeah. there was also this amazingly cringe bit where she cheers charlie but she didn't have a drink and so she used a Dyson Airwrap and <laughs> then like pretended to drink from it. Prop work. We love it. Comedy queen. And then just to finish off the week, just because it's like perfect, mm-hmm. is that she's coupled up with Charlie and literally within the hour of them coupling up, he seems so over her. And mm. in the mornings, the girls always discuss like how their night was and how it was like cuddling up to the boys. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, how was it with Charlie? And she was like, um, he rolled over and put his earplugs in. Oh, <laughs> which I just found really funny. So are the girls back That'd on? Be me. Has Ekansu kind of like won over the girls now? Now that she's sort of established that everyone, she's not really a threat to any of them. No, the like sneak peek of tomorrow night is her having like a massive fight with one of the girls. Oh, oh god, I'm really nervous that next week you're going to be like, she's gone, she's been dumped. No, no, I leave you with this, James. Oh god, everyone thinks that she's going to get back together with Davide. Are you joking? <laughs> why and also everyone's theory is that those two will win and i don't know if you know this about love island but at the end you have to choose whether to split the money between the two of you when you win or you could steal it right and no one's ever stolen it before because the whole point is they're all in love yeah and everyone's like ekansu and davide to win and then whoever goes first steal the money I just see it happening. Oh, completely. It would be incredible. What a bombshell ending. I hope she's one of those ones on like a reality show where there's <laughs> such good TV that the producers are bending over backwards, doing whatever they can to keep her on the show for as long as possible, rather than like organically leaving. No, no, no. She's such good TV. There's no way that she's going anywhere. I'm just worried it's like a Lisa Vanderpump situation where now she, like everyone hates her and she just relies on this constant conveyor belt of newbies who last for like a season and then they're like, oh, actually, I, I see through you but now. But that is what happens. Exactly. So and like, look where Lisa Vanderpump is now. I'm just worried that's going to happen. There's going to be a Lucy Lucy Apple Juice situation. And they're going to oust her out of the house. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, Love Island doesn't work. They don't like... Any, you know what? We yeah. don't have time. Yeah. It's Yeah. Shall we briefly talk about Beverly Hills while we're on the topic? Why not? Since this <laughs> no, is know. what we've been doing for the last few weeks. Um, um, uh, yes. So I thought it was a very light on drama episode this week, but still very. I have a couple of points. I'm obsessed with this image of Erica spending her time on the yacht getting absolutely shit-faced, rolling around basically with her knickers around her ankles and her eyes in the back of her head, channeling the spirit of Sonia Morgan. Very Sonia. While Kyle looks on going, oh, I love this Erica. Oh, she's having fun. <laughs> she's so much lighter. It's like, Kyle, Erica's about to choke on her own vomit in a second. It's, <laughs> literally get her in the recovery position. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but also it was so Sonia Morgan, her lying on that sofa being like, 
I used to have a yacht. Oh, completely. Very. I used to party with John John and Madonna all the time. Very. And I used that to party with John John, yes. big old tick next to Erica. Who'd have thought it? This is Erica's strongest season. I've finally started to quite like Erica. And it's when she's objectively at her most unlikable. Love it. I tell you what, I've got a real pet peeve when shows suddenly like mess with their own format. And Beverly Hills did it this week in a way that really annoyed me. When suddenly it was filming as if it was from Erica's point of view and it was like her eyes were opening and closing. Yeah. And whenever shows do that, I'm just like, Atatata. no, no. Yeah. You are a docudrama. Stay in your lane. Who else did that? It was, was it on Love is Blind? Or no, it was Married at First Sight Australia. Did it once where in the middle of a scene this girl was talking to this guy and it went into his head. It went, the voiceover was like, what is she talking about or whatever? And I was like, we can't suddenly have you narrate from inside your head. Like, this is a reality show. I've completely thought the same thing. And there's definitely a sliding scale on Real Housewives. So I've kind of been like casually watching Atlanta and they do it all the time. I think it's a different production company, but they love over editing on Atlanta to the point where it'll be one of them's like, oh, I got new edges in. And then suddenly it'll be this like fake, infomercial that's meant to be really cheesy of them being like look at my new hair and my edges and that's so weird i just can't because i think once stuff is like that then it's like you blur the fiction reality lines as well and then that means i lose interest yeah no it feels a bit fan fiction again on atlanta when because sheree has now come back for the second time and rather than just one flashback to like a greatest hits moment of her being like who gonna check me boo then it'll be that but then like loads of echoes and reverb and then like another housewife doing an impression of her doing the impression of Shireen it all just feels a bit like a tribute to a tribute and very self-congratulatory exactly that's kind of the point so yes I noted that as well and I don't like it I like my real housewives dry and I like the raw material to do the talking exactly also it didn't need it no and it didn't make sense because sometimes the eyes opening and closing were like opening to a shot of Erica and I'm like if it's Erica then at least you should have committed to the bit completely get your shit together get your shit together the editing was mud pie messy (laughs) yes (laughs) I did enjoy Diana jumping off the boat and being stung by a jellyfish rather than carry on a conversation with Sutton (laughs) I mean we all would wouldn't we I genuinely bought that she was like heading for sure like she was (laughs) I take my chances she didn't even like (laughs) jump off in like I'm going in she was like off the back of the boat (laughs) it's very um, what's the name of that explorer who got lost in the Arctic was it Scott who was like I'm gonna go for a walk I may be some time and then he just like got up and walked out of his tent and they never saw him again first of all that was a mixture you've just confused so many stories I I love it but Scott wasn't the one who did that and also it wasn't I'm going for a walk yes it was like I'm going outside I think the implication oh I'm sorry we not going for a walk I thought it was meant to be very like I'm just going for a stroll the idea, obviously, it's no. ridiculous because he's in the Arctic wilderness. No. All right. No, but we'll do some research. The, but... the comparison still stands. Did you know that my dad's great-great-great-grandfather, like my, as it was an explorer called John Nunn. I know it sounds like I just made that up. And <laughs> it turns out he was like a contemporary of Darwin. And he went to the Arctic and got stuck there or something and lived with elephant whales or elephant seals or something. Oh. I don't know. Me and my siblings find it really funny. My dad talks about it very passionately. We can never quite get past the elephant seals detail. That's a new one for me. I'm learning a lot today. Exactly. Didn't know it was a thing. So what else happened in Beverly Hills this week? When everyone was discussing with their trademark faux concern about Erica mixing her meds with her drinking, you can see in Rinna's eyes, they just glaze over. She really struggles internally between her two opposing demonic forces. The first is like her instinctual desire to suck up to Erica and protect her at all costs and her equally mm-hmm. instinctual desire to do a Kim Richards on her and go Erica you're close to death I worry about you I'm just so worried and then yeah, like getting her re-riled up so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out for the rest of the season I look forward to it and I think my last little point was Sutton refusing to sing along to Expensive and going I cannot celebrate this song it was giving big Danielle Staub I will not clap oh no I do agree <laughs> But do you not agree? I found it quite weird that they put that on where I was like, but wasn't the whole point of what the whole of last season was dealing with how Erica's whole music career and lifestyle and cultivated personality and glam Mm -hmm. squad and stuff was kind of all off of the back of widespread fraud and the the misfortune that she'd released a whole song that was like, it's expensive to be me. Yeah. And then it was like on the back of Widows and... Right. (laughs) Like, and 
Can you imagine if that had been... That would be really bad luck if that had been one of the lyrics. Uh, and <laughs> So specific. <laughs> yeah. Spooky so how it panned like, out. <laughs> exactly. Just like, ooh. We didn't crash picked it. We didn't know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. But I thought the whole point of the last season was at least in some way a sense from all of them of obviously Erica didn't know then so it's bad right. luck but now's where we start saving face to and... play that song it was like yeah but now we do know yeah yeah so maybe now we don't play the song about it's expensive to be me if I'm feeling charitable I would have said it's a very sort of satirical reappropriation of the song and it's all very tongue in cheek and ironic but I don't something tells me that that wasn't the thought process when they were bopping along to the song <laughs> It's just bad optics, isn't it? They needed me there to really kill the mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been killing my buzz today. I've been corrected twice now, and we're not even ten minutes in. <laughs> what did I correct you on? Scott and the Scott wee and the and, and the wee walk. What was the other one? <laughs> the wee... <laughs> there was something else. Mm. There was something else. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, do you have any more notes on? Beverly I promise Hills? I'll just let you be wrong from now on. Yeah, you will. Uh, I no, I thought that was quite a dull episode. Mm. Happy to put it to bed. Yes. And we will say good morning to The Real Housewives of New Jersey, season nine, part two. And where are we crash landing straight into? Well, I think we should have our priorities straight and get the important stuff out of the way at the top of the show. Melania's singing career. Melania. Yeah. Who do you think's better, Melania or Gia? Do you think Gia was robbed of a singing career by Melania? I mean, I think it's definitely a case of Gia walked so that Melania could run, you know? They're too very... Boy, does she run. That boy, who boy? If anything, (laughs) so that Melania could rap. Indeed, she's a triple threat. She's singing, she's rapping, she's dancing. Not always on beat, but she's doing them all. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? You're right. Rapping's really just talking with style anyway. It's very... Because you think you've got the rhythm down. Exactly. You think... Because it's not even, it's not quite on beat, but it's not off beat either. Like, you think you've got an idea of what rhythm she's on, and then she'll just surprise no, you and go she, in a different direction. She's a regular Lin-Manuel Miranda there. She's, she she's really just like is. Hamilton. She's very ahead of her time. And I think lyrically, I can't wait to grow up. There's a lot to get your teeth into. I think she really speaks to the powerlessness and the voicelessness of the American youth of today. Mm, I agree. I also think it's kind of raising... Very relatable. It's, yeah, it's very wry. It's raising an eyebrow as well at the concept of the American dream, you know, and the ways in which the American middle and lower classes have been failed by a capitalist society you know she's saying like i've got dreams of being in vogue magazine and dad said it ain't easy and he's in prison so exactly that's my future also it's a bop oh it is hey it's me melania i'm sure you see me around you probably see me on tv i'm about to go pick up my besties tay and stephanie i think you could do like a good um i mean i'm giving this over to you because you're the real the musical genius in this genius yeah. this duo but i think that there's definitely legs for a mashup between i can't wait to grow up and what's gia's one waking up in the morning Mala, waking up in the morning fuck it all three yeah you're so right i'm gonna go away and work on that i love how like how unenthusiastic melania looks when she sings <laughs> not so much when she performs once she performs she looked quite into it but it always makes me laugh i think not that i was the showiest child and my older sisters were definitely better performers than me when I was younger but I do think I looked like I was enjoying it when I did it whereas all of these kids seem to like want to be performers but then look like the last thing in the world they want to do Ellie it's the kids these days they don't have the gumption they don't want it enough (laughs) no they don't yeah exactly where's the chutzpah because it is weird because it's not even like she's been dragged into the studio kicking and screaming it's not like this is Teresa's fantasy and she's spending the whole time going mom exactly. like she does want a it's song just... but she just doesn't want to put the work in do it in front of anyone yeah she's shy I love the scene when she's practicing her dance moves at the studio and Melissa and Teresa watch. And Melissa, she cannot help herself. She's having the best time. She's like drawing from her own wealth of performance experience. Honestly, like she's Meryl Streep inside the actor's studio. She's like me talking to those twins before they went on the set live. (laughs) She's got some spinach in her teeth. She's got water down her front. She's like, okay, (laughs) right, this is your one shot. Let me tell you how it's done. (laughs) But her sage advice from one artiste to another she goes yeah okay melania melania listen to me what you want to do is you want to hold your mic to your mouth that's all she says 
Sage advice, Emily. And it's the same advice I gave the girls. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's really the first and only rule of performance. It really is, yeah. If you can remember that, you can't go wrong. Anything else doesn't matter if you can't be heard. It just gets in the way. Side note on Melissa, I think this season I finally come full circle on her again. It was a dark couple of seasons when I found her completely spineless. Yeah, and now she's really grown from like dim-witted nitwit to this power-hungry schemer to Teresa's lackey back to nitwit again. But this time, yeah. she doesn't have the Teresa rivalry to sort of rely on for a storyline. So she's scrambling to come up with this stupid bullshit storyline <laughs> about her finding this long lost sister, which she delivers with such a straight face. You can't help but love it. Oh my God, I completely forgot about it's that. So, I mean, with good reason, because it's the most ridiculous, forgettable storyline. Exactly. But it's even funnier that the way she first introduces it on the show, it's off of the back of Jackie opening up at the Oklahoma trip about her eating disorder. And it cuts to an right. talking head of Melissa going, Jackie's really inspired me to open up and be more honest with these girls. And it's something I really don't do enough. And you honestly think she's going to say some deep, dark yeah, yeah. secret. <laughs> only for to say, a psychic told me I may or may not have a long lost sister that may or may not exist. And I'm going to do a 23andMe test to look for her. Why didn't my psychic give me anything as interesting as that? Oh, fucking hell. That's not, I don't think we ever talked about the psychic <laughs> on the podcast. We did, I'm sure. When we were, when, when we, when, well, when I dragged James I was dragged to accompany me to a psychic, the most information I got was that I'd have two children and maybe a career in real estate like where was my juicy gossip now hang on she also said i sense that you've had a difficult past two years hey <laughs> uncanny how did she know i feel like the years 2020 to now have just been very trying for you <laughs> how did she know also i love that she was like you love to travel and i was like hmm, mm, here, on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> here on holiday here on holiday in the u.s <laughs> How could you tell? Eerie. I look forward to my future in real estate. Um, anyway. So you're right. Melissa's scrambling for a storyline. But she does fall on the right side of arguments for me. And I think... <laughs> I think that... <laughs> Especially around the Danielle Margaret stuff that comes up in the second half of this season. Mm-hmm. I like that Melissa stands up for what I think is right. I think that she, we'll talk about it at the Mexico trip. I think it's slightly shoehorned in the moment where Melissa finally decides that she hates Danielle because it kind of comes from nowhere. They Isn't just it sort of have like a. At that market? Yeah, it's at that market. Oh, I, I like got, I felt like I got it. Well, it wasn't like Danielle was like, Melissa, you're a bitch or anything. It was just they were having quite a passionate discussion about something they disagreed with. And then all of a sudden it sort of ended with Melissa storming off being like, fucking bitch. But isn't it that Danielle's crossing a line? Yeah, it's more she's affronted on Margaret's behalf, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. I get that. I think the reason that that really gets to me is because... I am much more inclined in life to get very upset on someone's behalf or affronted Mm -hmm. rather than someone like Teresa, who it's very about what she directly is impacted by or hears. I don't tend to, I find it quite difficult to have an emotional reaction to my own stuff because I think I'm not very in tune with how I feel, but I really know how I feel on someone Mm -hmm. else's behalf. So I think I really got that moment. And respect to Melissa, because I think she's the only housewife who's still standing by this big concept that they were so fierce to defend last season of, it doesn't matter how someone treats me, if you've treated my friend in a bad way, then... I can't be friends with yeah. you because the rest of them abandon that very quickly when it's convenient for mm-hmm. them. But Melissa, she does stick to it. So she's got her spine back and and I applaud her for that. So Danielle and Margaret have ended the Bimini wedding in a very bad way. We find out when, when they all come back to New Jersey that Margaret's been getting a slew of abusive text messages from Danielle. No. And they all read, they're unmistakably like Danielle. They all start with some variation of, I'm very confused about, or I was under the impression that women didn't treat other women like this. And again, it's very like a mob boss who's about to shake down a small business way of talking. It's very menacingly passive. And hilariously after this barrage of texts, Margaret ends the conversation with her saying point blank, please don't ever talk to me again. And then Danielle, (laughs) the very next day, sends Margaret another text going, happy Mother's Day. I hope you're having a beautiful day. (laughs) Kiss, kiss. (laughs) Uh. Oh, 
that's very funny. Shall we talk a bit about the Jackie and Jennifer argument with the article? Yes. Although I did find this storyline very dull. Oh, I found it really interesting in that way of I... like the on the surface, share share on the surf on the surface share. We're actually back to share, you know. <laughs> share. Need I say more? <laughs> on the surface, uh... it was very straightforward, but I think it speaks to something much deeper. And very interesting in an ideological sense. Oh, you're going to say something really intellectual and articulate about it. So on a basic level, I just found it a bit dull in terms of the article was blown into a massive thing. But then actually, when you hear stuff from it, really wasn't that critical. Yeah, but don't you think Jackie does this thing? She does it a lot where I'm officially on her side and everything she does is technically kosher. And she's allowed to do it. It's a free country, but only just is she allowed to do it. And by God, does she push the boundaries. So first of all, the article's obviously going to go down badly and get misconstrued because if nothing else, it's the written word and it's like the most illiterate cast of all of the shows. So I'm not sure that anyone apart from Jackie has actually fully sat down and read the article from point A to point B. I think that's sure. And I think when you boil it all down, it sounds like the article is saying, Jennifer's kids are by definition a bit spoiled. Because of that, I assumed they would be little brats. It turns out they're actually really lovely. So what do I know? So yes, she did technically end her article on a positive note and said that they were great kids. But it sounds like she had quite a leisurely journey there in which she sort of entertained the opposite. And obviously, I think that's going to provoke a reaction from Jennifer. Yeah. I just think it's such an overly visited trope in general on Housewives, that thing of keep my kids' names out of your mouth. But I think here, if your kids and your parenting style are being written about in a newspaper without so much of a heads up, you are within your rights to feel a twinge of like, hmm, that's not cool. No, totally. It Exactly. Both sides are true. I just don't find it that interesting. Like, yes, I don't think Mm -hmm. she should have. But then I, and then it's kind of not even that interesting because the article's not even that. I just, I just found it. Yeah, the article's a bit of a non-article. A bit of a non-storyline. But... I'm sure that you're going to have an insight into that in terms of that thing you were talking about last week that comes in a lot of the difference between Jackie and this whole kind of cut from different cloth. Yeah. Like someone who's dealing slightly more in nuance and an entire cast that isn't at all. Yeah, it does feel like the producers are feeding into this sense of competition between the two newbies about whose mothering style is the best. And yeah, it's almost like a referendum on is team old school or team new school better? And it feels like they do sort of come down on the side of Jackie or the editing goes in such a way where we get things like we witness a scene of Jennifer bribing her kids with toys from Amazon to get them to go outside and shoot some hoops and get some fresh air. And then it's immediately followed by this really heartwarming scene at Jackie's house where they're having a big family meal and she's giving the youngest kid the really important job. And she's like, okay, so so you're going to carry the pit of breads from the kitchen over to the table. Nobody help him. He can do it. And then this kid's like, okay, and they're all like cheering him on and like, yeah. And I think that dinner scene, it sums up a lot about Jackie's differences where, yes, she's not a domestic goddess. She hasn't spent all day slaving in the kitchen like Teresa or Jennifer or Caroline Manzo. There's no traditional route to the food that they're eating Mm -hmm. she's just ordered in greek food but it doesn't matter because the family are there her parents are there her brother's there they're gathered to spend time with each other and they really seem to enjoy each other's company like the love is there as caroline would say but they're also relatable in a way that jackie hosting a party where everyone brings their kids and there's just loads of takeaway pizzas and everyone's like Mm -hmm. playing on a basketball court is much more relatable than jennifer having all of the ladies over and hiring a bouncy castle, an indoor b- bouncy castle. And... Yeah, Jen is just sort of all show and no go. And I think she clings quite smugly to these notions of old school traditional family mm-hmm. values. But they're just trappings. They're just show. Whereas in reality, her husband's never around. She's essentially a single mum to five screaming kids. Mm. We later find out that her parents hate each other and they essentially lead separate lives. Her brother's gay and his mother doesn't acknowledge it. And her it. parents can't deal with it. Exactly. Oh God, that bit's awful. And none of that is like a knock on Jennifer, by the way. Those are all very relatable elements of how messy family life can be for a lot of us. And she never claimed that her family are perfect. But when she talks about family with this smugness and kind of personifies herself as a matriarch... Yes. inevitably you're going to be scrutinized a lot more and it's a bit like a conservative politician who preaches about traditional values and the sanctity of the family union and then they're caught cheating on their wife or something and it's just it could and does happen to anyone but if you're preaching a certain way of life there's going to be a direct comparison drawn between what you preach and what you practice and the ways in which you're 
a bit of a hypocrite. And it's just funny how Jackie is continually demonized and othered by the other women to the point where she has to say, guys, it's not like I'm from another planet or anything. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I would argue that in many ways, Jackie has the healthiest dynamic, even though she doesn't speak to her older sister. I would argue it's actually healthier to acknowledge, look, we don't get along. It's just grief for the rest of the family whenever we're together. So we're going to save everyone the stress and just keep separate rather than this tiresome merry-go-round that Teresa and Joe do of fighting and making up and getting drunk and being like, family's what's important. It's actually, it feels like a contradiction to be for the sake of the family. I'm not going to spend time with some of the family. Does that make sense? Yes, it does completely. As in, it's like the polar opposite of as painful as it must be that they've not spoken for however long, that the idea that they are at events together and things like that, they just don't speak, but they're not sending each other hate. They're not, it's amazing that thing where they call each other and they're not getting into fist fights. They're just like fine. Yeah. Um, And like you say, it's almost for the sake of the fact, it's like a healthier dynamic than we've seen for years before. Yeah. So do we want to talk about Mexico? Uh, Yes, I do. Just before that, I just want to give Jennifer, despite all of that coming down on Jennifer, I really, Uh once again, give her props as a housewife. I think the symbolism of Jennifer gifting Jackie a knife, not just any old knife, but an ancient Turkish dagger that was specifically designed (laughs) to stab people in the back and using it as an opportunity to restart (laughs) the argument is A plus housewifery. It's everything I love in a good housewife. It's camp. It's melodramatic. It's slightly forced and awkwardly delivered. Exactly. It's great. It's just perfect. Mexico. Yes. Vamos. <laughs> that means let's go. In French. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mexico. Where do we start? So Mexico, it starts with Margaret cracking this one-liner on the van ride over that she's clearly been practicing for the last few weeks, where she's like, Teresa's going to be in a Mexico, everyone. And everyone's like, ah! <laughs> Even Danielle is like, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm as funny as Joe Rivers. It's one of Joe's. Could Joe come up with that line? I used to workshop it with Joe, and I was like, Teresa's going to be in a coma in Mexico. And then Joe was like, how about Mexico? It's even funnier. How about Mexico? <laughs> and I was like, that's great, like, Joe. I was like, oh my God, Carmen. And I was like, everybody in Mexico. Anyway. By the way, I worked out the reason that your initial Margaret made me laugh so much is because you sound like droopy. Yes, that's what I'm channeling. When the- it was when you were going like, um, it's like, but yeah. what makes me laugh is that droopy is like one facial tick away from Elizabeth McGovern in Downton Abbey when she's like, oh, Robert. Oh, <laughs> I realized that your Margaret wow, is actually what a, quite What a quite journey. I would similar. never have made that connection. Oh, Robert. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Very textured impression. Yes. Um, so the big fight we have first we have is... Two explosive dinners, don't we? Yeah, yeah, they're good for the explosive dinners. So we have this first dinner where Jennifer's cocktailing it up. She's a cocktail queen. So she's knocking back the margaritas and all the women have gone in on a gift for Teresa as a well done for oh her gosh, bodybuilding. Yeah. Oh shit, we didn't Bodybuilding, talk about we bodybuilding. missed it. But, okay, Teresa's bodybuilding. Her trainers are terrifying and they're very effective Ter- absolutely in, as a terrifying. duo. They're very good cop, bad cop. So there's that one Tracy who every time Teresa struts out, she's like, you look like shit. And then there's the other one, yeah, the blonde yeah. one, who I think <laughs> kind of fancies Teresa. And she's very nice to her. And it's kind of like the first time we've ever seen Teresa look a bit sheepish in front of Tracy. I think she's finally met her match with her. Yeah. And she, as a boost in the final run-up to the competition, she enlists the help of Frank Catania, a.k.a. Mr. Muscle, New Jersey 86 or whatever. I'm like in love with Frank Catania. I just, I love him. I'd have him rub bright orange fake tan or whatever it is all over my bum any day any day why do they have to do that that's the thing i don't get with the bodybuilding thing is the is the like floor varnish thing over the top and also they seem to have like white it's like Teresa had sunscreen on her lips it's such a weird look it's about as close to blackface as you can get in this day and age it's very it, it really <laughs> it's so Valley. i don't like it so bizarre yeah but frank is giving her loads of sage advice he's like Teresa, you gotta relax because if you stress your cortisol levels are gonna rise and then it'll impede your progress 
spitting all over the place. And he, I don't know, I think he's a bit of a, I like him, but he's a bit of a poster child for everything that I find a bit scary about that world of bodybuilding. He's just like a walking hernia. I know, but then he's also just like really nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, of course. He's all like red and shiny and he's probably all like muscle knots and like little dried out protein poos and I just, <laughs> It's really, well, I don't like it. Um, but yes, and obviously this, again, it's one of those things, Teresa's bodybuilding storyline, where it's one thing, but then also it has a deeper meaning. And of course, the deeper meaning is that Joe Judice never wanted her to lift weights because he didn't want her to get bulky and look masculine. And, and now she can do what she likes. There's definitely some symbolism. She's got her autonomy. She's rebuking her husband's influence. And she's, you know, finding physical strength where she also is finding emotional and spiritual strength. Exactly. And it's a, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? Good. Like a release. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Frustration. Yeah, completely. And it gives her something to work towards when it must be hard with all of these, like with the deportation thing and then the appeals and the next thing and stuff. It must be hard when there's no clear ending to anything. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what's good with this is that there's an end point and there's like a result to be had and yeah. there's yeah. something to work towards. So that's great. Yeah, there's a, a finite end. God, yeah. it's weird though. Completely. And also when everyone's like, I'm really proud of her. I'm like, for what? For just not eating for weeks and then covering herself in bright orange Mud. Mud. <laughs> Just mud. Well, she came third. And then that pose. James oh and I just can't <laughs> deal with it. That's when you move in the club. All the poses are like quite standard, what you'd expect from bodybuilding poses. And then there's this one where she like turns around and then sort of waddles her like thighs open and then leans over slightly. Leans over and arches her and back so that I her just ass is sticking out. It honestly looks like she's about to just drop a, a turd on the stage. <laughs> and then just like walk off. <laughs> It's extraordinary. Which, to be honest, those competitions are so weird that I, I sort of, I sort of wouldn't Car- be yeah. surprised. Yeah, that, like, we're already in this deep. Why not? Right, yeah, bring it on. We'll have to take a photo and put it on the Insta. It, it has to be seen to be believed. So that's Teresa's bodybuilding. Yes. So she's thrilled because she can finally drink again. And the girls have got her this gift. And they've thought about it really deeply. And they've decided the word that they're going to put on to the necklace is strong strong because Jersey strong. you're strong mentally and now you're strong, strong physically, physically. <laughs> so right. it's got a double meaning right cute and jennifer's pissed she's fucking livid because she's like oh because she's she's <laughs> she smoked oh yeah yeah that didn't make sense at all move on so Jennifer's like, oh, and she's sort of eyeing it up. And she's like, oh, so my brother, my brother's a jeweler. You didn't know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We, we all knew that. Oh, well, why didn't you? I mean, we could have gone to him and it would have been half the price. He could have given us a good deal. And it's like, well, it's not about that, Jen. It's, it's, it's about the gift. It's about it's about the message. And she's like, why would you? It's also weird that she's not saying he'd have done a better job. No. It's just very Jennifer that her thing is like, we could have. And I know her point is like, it would have given him a platform to be on the show. But it does end up coming across like it's like, we would have got it for cheaper. And it's a bit, that's quite her thing. Where right. I get their point that they're like, maybe let's not discuss in front of Teresa how we could have got her gift for cheaper. Yeah. But we didn't, so it's fine. Yeah, it's like, it's the same thing as the $500 for cowboy boots thing. She's quite happy looking extravagant with her spending in many ways, but then she like picks these moments where she thinks she's going to look really relatable to the audience because she's getting a good deal. But then actually, if anything, contributes to this. It's weird. Exactly. It's the same thing when she goes into Jackie's house before they go to the vineyard. And she's almost like trying to get revenge on Jackie by like snooping around her house. And she's like, oh, okay, what a a dump. And it's like, well, it's actually just really tastefully decorated and looks like a home that people live in. So that just makes you look like a twat. Yeah. Excuse my language. Yes. And everyone's like, well, you knew that we were going in on this bit of jewellery. So why didn't you say this before if you were that bothered? And she was like, I thought it was costume. And then they were like, why would it be costume? (laughs) Why would it be costume, though? That doesn't make any sense. But also, how much have they all been asked to give? How would you not be like, $100 for costume (laughs) jewellery? Like... Like the idea if they'd pulled out just like a plastic necklace that was like, be strong or whatever. And it was like, what did I give my money for? It's just, I don't think so stupid. And I don't know how it gets there, but then we, it basically ends up with Margaret being like, I think the, I think the cocktails go to your head, cocktail queen. And then something about her lips. Do you remember how it comes up? No, wait, we missed the bit when she's like, it's fucking ugly. 
Oh yes, of course. It's fucking ugly. It's like, I love Sorry. She, she like goes in, goes in on the gift. Yeah. <laughs> They've all just given the money, but it's so stupid. Right, and they're yes. all like, oh, 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 cocktail queen over there. And then yes, we have this amazing thing where Margaret's like lips like a monkey's asshole. My and lips Jennifer's are up. like a monkey's, a monkey's asshole that you sucked. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Poetic. just to clarify oh it's so good okay. maybe if you the yeah. cadence is just amazing in my head a monkey's that asshole that you sucked probably <laughs> and then she ends up leaving the table and then danielle then takes jen to one side and on the way there she announces she goes i'll suck on that monkey's asshole and it's like, what <laughs> Danielle. But she she sat being like, she went for your lips, like doing that thing of being like so like that's that's low. It's that's low. low. That's low. Oh I You don't go for someone's appearance or whatever, and it's just like, oh shut up. Danielle is very Alex McCord in Morocco on this whole trip. The way she's like trailing Jen yeah. around in the aftermath of every fight with Margaret. And going, it's like, I got you, away. baby, I got like, you. Embracing her and going, like, I love you. Get the pino, get the pino. Yeah. Get you get the, get you get the Sonia, get the one out of here. Rapping Ramona. <laughs> Danielle's so at this point transparently scrambling for allies. She's really starting to to flail and lose it. Exactly. So things are contentious between Jennifer and Margaret because Margaret made this comment that Jennifer's husband, who is going to Turkey to marry someone, Melda, this arranged marriage. Ah, Margaret yes. refers to it as a male or the bride situation. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe. It's a bit like the Hitler thing, isn't it? That it's like, you wish that she could have stopped and been like, sorry, that was probably a bad analogy. Yeah. But you understand the point that she's making, right. which is, wow, I, it's quite hard to get my head culturally around the idea of someone marrying someone that they just met. Yeah. It's hard as a kind of through and through like American gal to understand that that feels like a very old fashioned or feels like, you read about mail order brides. Yeah. But it's actually very distasteful about someone else's culture. Right. And again, similar to the Siggy thing where it's like, you could have made the Hitler comment in front of a Jewish person who it just happens to be a part of their identity. But Siggy's very vocally tied to that. Exactly. And the same way with Jennifer. Jennifer, same with Jennifer up and it's to like... that point, was the one sort of fighting this weird, like old school versus new school fight that Margaret was like, what do you, who cares? But now this is margaret's kind of like you put back. yourself on the other yeah. side exactly so it's not great yeah but it means that these two and this is where Teresa annoys me on this one is like that Teresa just can't seem to see like they both hit such low blows it's yeah. a very like down and dirty yeah. fight where jennifer are we on to the one where jennifer goes for her mum yes so uh, previously at the there, venue are there three dinners there's because there's this one yeah there's, there's the monkey's asshole one that's the monkey's asshole one. Then there's the there's the big there are yeah there are three What's because the there's the dinner where Jennifer starts going in on Margaret's mum. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the beautiful restaurant with the view and everything. And the fact that Margaret's mum cheated. Yeah, yeah. And she really goes very low. And and what upsets Melissa is that the next day Melissa's like Teresa. If someone had talked about your mum, yeah. Like that, you would have gone mental. Yeah. And Teresa just has a total block of that. And it's like, yeah, but she went for her husband. And it's like, but you, she went for the mum first. And we've seen how you respond to someone talking, like, look at that Kathy Bukili clip. Mm-hmm. Like, we know. So it's very frustrating. But Jennifer goes in on the mum. And it's a very, it's phrased in a very... It's designed to be a low blow. It's not just like, your mum was a mistress. It was like, Margaret, you're used to an environment of cheating. Your mother fucks someone for 15 years and, you know, she's a yeah, slut. It's, it's, like it's designed, designed to, to be her. like prodding the bear. Yeah. Margaret comes back about basically being like, you would know about cheating. Right. And you know what? That's where your husband sleeps at the pool house. Exactly. It's like Jennifer how, leaves. But that, sorry, just a moment for that. That's why your husband sleeps at the pool house. Again, it's like the specificity of comedy. It's the esotericism of saying pool house that really makes this comment pop. And then again, the beautiful back and forth of, you know what? That's why your husband sleeps at the pool house. You better shut the fuck up with that. Word on the street. You better shut the fuck up with that. In a nerve. (laughs) 
And what really elevates that back and forth into high camp is the fact that during this whole scene, Margaret has the tiniest canopy you ever did see balanced perfectly but precariously between her thumb and her index finger and a pinky sticking out. And if it fell at any point, the whole read would have landed with a complete thud. It's such a risky but ultimately oh. rewarding move to pull off. And it's timed beautifully. And she like t- takes a little bite out of a canopy like halfway through and then just like finishes it off at the very end. It's like beautiful. You're right though, that that is so risky. I think I've told you this before potentially, but when we did The Daughter-in-Law the second time, there's a s- scene in that play that's an argument and it's very snappy back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's very like one-liners and it's like who's winning this argument and it's got to build and build and build and get really heated. And the two characters have to be eating pudding while they're having this argument. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who had it out for me, but the stage (laughs) management team decided that we would be eating this pudding, which was like a light sponge, off of plates with a spoon. Just one spoon on a plate. And the plate had no ridges or edge to the side. James, how is one supposed to get a spoonful of pudding on your spoon (laughs) with no edge to like scoop it up what do you mean no edge so like if it didn't get on your spoon and it fell off how are you supposed to like spoon it up oh i see and trying to win an argument or like get your line to like land without being undermined by the fact you couldn't get pudding on your spoon was genuinely so difficult or i'd be like just about to say the punchline and the pudding would like fall off my spoon and then it would really undermine what i just said or i'd like have my mouth full at the wrong moment and i just thought this pudding is making winning this argument in which i have the lines and i have the winning lines of the argument but i'm totally with margaret i'm like if that canopy had fallen she'd have been fucked she would have been fucked she's a one take wonder is our marge uh, well we don't know maybe well, maybe, it, yeah. it, maybe it did fall many we'll times and they were like so yeah jennifer goes off and she tellingly says something like margaret has no morals she's got no traditions and there's the rub not to be a dead horse but it's just such a facile presumptuous oversimplification that is rooted in a very flawed concept And it has the opposite effects where the more Jennifer bangs on about it, the more I'm convinced that she's losing faith in her own belief system, which I think will be something really interesting to kind of explore Mm. as the seasons go on. And I do disagree with that line that Margaret gives that is often trotted out on the show where it's like, if ever there's a cheating rumor and the person affected gets angry or upset, People go, hmm, the lady doth protest too much. I would laugh it off if it was me because I know it was bullshit. I think you're you're allowed to be secure in your marriage, but also just be upset. Exactly. And also, I think it's fair that people say once it's put out there, then everyone's going to think it. Yeah. I think it's one thing if like one of my friends said it, if I had a partner. (laughs) Say if I had a friend. (laughs) (laughs) If I was liked. I had any friends or knew anyone. But if someone accused my partner of cheating and it's like just between you, you might laugh it off. But they are on a TV show. Yeah. And they are famous. And it's like, that does change things. Yeah. And I think... But Margaret then... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that Margaret then does do that incredible thing, which very rarely happens on this show, of just like immediately taking ownership and being like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. And that was really low. And I said that I completely... And she does totally counter exactly that thing of if you put a rumour out there, people understand it by very quickly being like, I said that to hurt you. I've heard nothing about that. That was purely designed to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think this whole Jennifer going, shut the fuck up with that and seeing how it affects her and then Margaret wrapping it up, I think really speaks to a recurring theme on Jersey specifically where I think that the women unleash on each other a lot as an outlet for what I suspect is a lot of frustration to do with their husbands and their married lives and they can't unleash yeah. on their own husbands because they're old school and traditional. Exactly. So even though the divorce rate is much lower on New Jersey than all the other cities, I think that's in spite of the husbands, not because of them. Even though, you know, they have their bullish charm, their shit as well. And we do find out, mm. this is a spoiler alert everyone, so maybe if skip ahead if you haven't watched ahead but we find out several seasons later that margaret was absolutely correct and that bill did have an affair and jennifer knew about it all along i'm sorry but i think it's an interesting layer to view this with so for the sake of quashing it and protecting their kids jennifer said when it finally came out on the show that she never allowed herself to yell at bill and express her hurt so that she could protect the family unit so now she's doing it here to margaret instead yeah i think that makes sense yeah and i think that 
the way Margaret responds is very mature, is, is very yeah. rarely seen. It kind of breaks that cycle. On the show, it totally breaks that cycle, which is why I think I got so frustrated at Teresa's and Danielle's continued anger about it and carrying it on when it's like, you can't do that if someone's taken total ownership of it. The whole point is that that should... Well, it's the colander thing you said last week of... Teresa's only remembered the your husband sleeps in the pool house thing that was said the whole nuance of the discussion afterwards is gone exactly and it just drives me mad because it breaks the cycle and then they somehow like keep the cycle going and that's very frustrating which is why I totally get Melissa's annoyance the next day because it's I think it's also like you're letting Danielle continue this when it should be squashed it should be finished yeah so then we get the last dinner of the trip Mm -hmm. in which Yet again, we have what's becoming a wonderful kind of recurring theme, which is everyone knows that Danielle's trigger point is to basically say you're irrelevant. Yeah. Here we go. And Margaret does exactly what Siggy does, which is just yep. to be like, nobody cares about you, Danielle. You're irrelevant. You're an old dog with no new tricks. But Danielle is going in on Margaret about the kids not seeing her. Right. And again, it's that thing where Teresa just doesn't see it, where it's like, it's such a low blow. And Teresa so many times has been like, we don't talk about the kids. Like, you don't talk about someone's children. And Danielle does that. And I think kind of quite rightly gets a glass. She's also Danielle's desperate for something to be thrown in her face she's like begging margaret to throw a drink in her face because she right. knows that it will make good tv oh completely it's almost like they're like improving together even though they're arguing they're kind of like yes anding yeah. each other and it's like yeah this is a hundred percent in no way is danielle you wouldn't you don't say she doesn't have a point to make so you yeah. don't keep going at someone if there's no point unless you're like I kind of think this about the pool thing which we really need to get to because i'm looking at the time but the pool thing that comes up with marty I sort of think that's another moment where they're all like, are we going to do this? Are we going to do it? Like, this is going to make a really good right, scene. Right, yeah. And then everyone later responds to it like, that was really dangerous. You shouldn't have done it. And I'm like, do we know what show we're on? We all are looking for those moments. Yeah. I will say with the pool push and the wine toss, first of all, another two instances of Marge being a one-take wonder. Very daring, mm. high-risk stakes that she manages to pull off with a plum. But I think that... So the... Yeah, the the pool push is preceded with this discussion about Danielle at the finale party, the red party. Even though Margaret's like, it should be the green party because Jen's all about the Boku de Rabi, the money, you know? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> but, but they all have this summit about Danielle. And again, it's one of those conversations where within this world, it's about her place in this friendship group. But in a meta sense, it's about whether or not Danielle should be fired from the show. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it's fascinating to actually see everyone acknowledge that Teresa really is the head honcho of the show and that Danielle's entire future in the production is in Teresa's hands, even though she has the mental capacity of a four year old and everyone's trying to like work with that and speak Teresa's language and the majority even though they have strength in numbers they're going about this in completely the wrong way because they're appealing to Teresa's sense of logic and reason of which she has very Mm, little I know which I would do I'd make that mistake and basically telling her she's a bad judge of character and that she's stupid which obviously isn't going to flow well with her to which Teresa goes she's like I don't know what twilight zone they're living in but that's not happening in this twilight zone it's like only (laughs) Teresa would refer to her own frame of mind her own natural waking experience as a twilight zone whereas danielle on the other hand fully does the right thing and leans into the sycophancy and delivers easily communicable cliches that are bite-sized so rather than arguing her case to say she goes you know who i you know no who's that you know who i am (laughs) and what i'm about and you are Teresa Judice, and you don't let anyone tell you what to do. So clever. And of course to that, Teresa goes, no, nobody tells me what to do. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The irony, of course, being she's being told Being to told. Think. It's brilliant. So she really seals the deal in Teresa's head by drawing this direct comparison to Caroline Manzo, because she was like, Caroline told you what to think about me all those years ago. And and she's like, I'm not going to let it happen again. And where Margaret, I think, isn't being smart by pushing Marty in the pool is because her whole argument against Danielle is hinged on she's bringing drama, she's toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. And that her whole thing has been she's got it in from she's it it isn't smart, but it is frustrating to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I I agree. Yeah. But it is crazy. So just to jump back to Mexico, obviously at that dinner. Jen's been back on the tequila and after Margaret throws a glass of wine at 
Danielle and then walks off because Teresa didn't have her back or whatever. Melissa's upset because Danielle's response to having the wine thrown at her is to throw her glass. Mm Mm-hmm. And her glass lands near Melissa. And Melissa's upset because she's like, someone just threw... She's like, this is insane. Someone just threw their glass and it nearly hit me. And she thinks it's Jennifer. And Jennifer has the most out of nowhere. (laughs) Jennifer's not really a part of that decision. And Jennifer suddenly is just does this incredible performative bit psycho yeah it's not dissimilar to lisa rinner's wine smash mm-hmm. on the table where it's just you it's like they saw the moment and were suddenly like or i could do this <laughs> you can see her eyes scanning the table she's like no honey she's no because like, if i was gonna smash a glass i'd do it you know and then like she just grabs it and everyone's like whoa and it's just amazing and i think in her head she's like it's just good tv and in their head they're like don't you ever look like you're gonna threaten me and you can see jennifer's immediately a bit like oops like (laughs) like i think she's quite quick to go no i didn't i didn't mean that to look like a threat. especially when dolores steps in exactly it's a bit like oh yeah but what I find interesting is that when Margaret and Joe pushed Marty in the pool, which just for some context, Marty twice now has is pretty low. This whole thing of going for how Margaret looks, which does feel very unusual to hear from a like I don't know. It's interesting the way we're conditioned that I find the way Marty speaks about Margaret almost the most shocking thing to happen on the season. Mm. I just can't quite get my head around like a man being so rude about how someone looks. It's just really nasty. But yes, I can't believe that they push him in the pool and Teresa's response when faced with them being like, hang on, Jennifer like smashed a glass in Melissa's face is like, yeah, but pushing Marty in the pool could have been dangerous. Yeah. There's something weird about him being pushed in the pool. The editing just seems a bit off. There seems to be several different angles and there's never like one direct view I'm of it. I'm sorry, but I think they know they were doing it. There's something, yeah. you don't have an argument next to the edge of a pool unless yeah, yeah. someone's hoping to be pushed in. It's also weird because like Joe sort of starts and then Margaret sort of finishes it off, but kind of looks like she's getting in the way, but then sort of, it's like, it's messy. It's a really messy moment, only saved by Danielle being like, Where's Marty? By um, by Margaret walking past Danielle and being like, your husband's in the pool. Your husband's in the pool. That is like the line of the season. <laughs> who, who pushed him in the pool? Me and my husband. Me and my husband. <laughs> Me and my husband. <laughs> it's perfect. It's literally, that's the only thing that saves that moment. Otherwise, it would be really bad TV, then pushing him in the pool. It just doesn't really work. And he just kind of floats there. Like, it just, it's very ineffective. Anyway, how do we want to wrap up season Um, I'm going to be real with you. I didn't really watch the reunion. Um, I'm just going off of memory. It's a really boring reunion. And the only thing I wanted to talk about from this reunion is Danielle giving Teresa the gift. (laughs) And I just find it the funniest thing. So why Danielle pulling out this gift. I don't know. Is it because she wasn't involved in the necklace? What's weird is someone else gives Teresa a gift first. Teresa just suddenly gets given all these gifts at the end. And it's like, why? She's like a baron. And like all these peasants are paying their taxes. Exactly. To like stay on the show. But Danielle, I really advise anyone who wants to laugh to go and just watch this bit of the reunion. It's the end of the reunion. And Danielle gives Teresa this gift. And Teresa doesn't seem to know why she's getting it. And it's like, it's like a necklace that says T and D on it. Oh. (laughs) Teresa has this really awkward response and Andy Cohen who just doesn't miss a beat is there being like Teresa you don't seem that excited about this gift or whatever and it's just like really highlight and she's like uh, why no like I know no I love it I love it and Danielle's like it's okay she doesn't need to say oh, I know I know the way it's like Danielle has this amazing response of she doesn't need to say thank you I know I know the I know the love that's there and Andy Cohen is just cracked up he's sitting there being like Show everyone your gift, Teresa. Like, ooh. It's like look a at, child. Oh, look She's, at that. Like, oh, it says T and D. Oh, and Teresa's like, oh. Andy Cohen is one step away from being like, why don't you put it on, Teresa? Yeah, like, yeah. Why don't you wear it forever? Oh, and Teresa's a bit like, yeah, I'll put it on later. Like, yeah. It goes back in the box. Like, it's it's not, she's not like, help me put it on. She hates it. And then it's followed by the last thing I wanted to touch on, which is this genuinely quite moving ending to the reunion in which 
all of the women give Andy Cohen a gift for his baby. Oh, this was... And then all pass on, like, mothering advice. And it actually gets quite emotional. And it's the most kind of genuine Andy Cohen ever comes across. And I found myself tearing up. It's really heartwarming. It's a really nice full circle moment to this season and its incessant discussions of family and parenting and different mothering styles. Totally. And ultimately, they're all just like, you're going to love it. Mothering's great. And also, what I love is that they're all just, they are all in agreement that Andy Cohen's going to be an amazing parent. And it's just a lovely, heartwarming finish. And on that, shall we have a lovely, heartwarming finish? Oh, okay. What did you have in mind? Are we going to do our Rose and Thorn? Ooh, what's been the rose and thorn of your week? Oh, my rose has been... Probably they're going to be one and the same. I'm a bit stressed. I'm doing lots of errands, um, going all the way up to Zabar's to buy provisions for certain people to (laughs) bring over with me for my rose of the week, which is that I have uh, my trip to to Europe to look forward to. Are you nearly here? Yeah. When do you get here? I'm I'm flying out Wednesday morning, getting into Heathrow Wednesday evening when the podcast drops. I'll be picking you up, of course. And we'll run around together and watch Love Island. Oh my God, you're actually going to get to come and watch Ekin Sue. You're going to have to come over one night after I finished rehearsal so that we can watch Love Island together and eat takeaway. We'll have to squeeze in an evening together, yeah. The podcast may suffer as a result because I don't know how I'm going to... I'm going to be a busy bee for the next couple of weeks. I'm very busy as well with rehearsal, so we may have Maybe, to take a, we take a week a off. a brief sabbatical? And, um, if it helps, this is going to be a long ep, so hopefully yeah, you guys will... Yeah, it out for the next couple of weeks. Just listen to this one again. Yeah. I would say, you'll have missed loads. There'll be loads of Easter eggs in there. And unlike Margaret, we don't get it right on the first try. If anything, we get better Never. the second time. I think so, that was shown by my intro. So, <laughs> don't know if I ever get the intro. I'll right have to keep it time. in now. I could have edited it out. But, oh. There we go. <laughs> Tough. We're committed now. So, what was your rose and thorn of the week? Of the coming week? Oh, yeah. Um, my thorn would be oh, pesky COVID's been making oh, its way back again. into my life. We've had many people off with it on the show and whilst oh. I'm feeling very grateful touch wood that I haven't been off with it it's making rehearsals a little bit tricky because we're constantly having to contend we've got missing twins missing oh, shit. Pair. we've got lots to uh to contend with and my rose is um is obviously the love of my life flying into the country on Wednesday evening who's that me you don't know him okay <laughs> it's a male order bride it's a male order bride uh Oh, we do have fun. Oh, it's me. Don't we? It's me. <laughs> it's me doing the outro. Okay. Would you like it? Thank you okay. for. What is it? Yeah. No, send it to me. All right. Thank you, James. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating. If you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Oh, I did all my intonation weird on that. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I can't read. Me and Teresa, that's one thing we have in common. (laughs) 